You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. John chapter 18, verses 12 through 14 and verses 19 through 23. We're beginning a sermon series today I've entitled Our Lord's Triumph as we follow Jesus through the book of John to the cross and to Resurrection Sunday. This is part one and it's entitled Examination. Examination. In the Old Testament covenant, when a person brought an animal to be sacrificed for that worshiper's sins, priests of the temple would examine the animal for defects. God only accepted an unblemished or spotless animal. Listen to Leviticus 22, 18-20. Speak to Aaron, he is the high priest, and his sons, who would eventually become high priest, and all the Israelites, and tell them, any man of the house of Israel or the resident aliens in Israel, so Israelites and foreigners, who present his offering, whether they present payment of vows or freewill gifts to the Lord as burnt offerings, must offer an unblemished male, from the cattle, sheep, or goats in order for you to be accepted. You are not to present anything that has a defect, listen, because it will not be accepted on your behalf. In the book of John, Jesus is called from the very chapter, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's you and I. For Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins, for our wrongdoings and thoughts, reactions, feelings, words, deeds, He must be examined by a priest and declared that He has no defects, no blemishes, no spots, And so today in the book of John, we find our blessed Lord Jesus under high priestly examination. The first priest to examine Jesus was a man called Annas. Annas was high priest from A.D. 6 to A.D. 15. Now, where we're at in the book of John is way past A.D. 15. So why is he called high priest? Why is Annas the high priest? The Romans did not like to concentrate power in one person. The Romans were over the Jewish state at this time. And they didn't want one person having a lot of power. So they would constantly make the high priests switch to make sure no one consolidated power. Uniquely though, five of Annas' sons and then his son-in-law Caiaphas succeeded him. So Annas, what did he do? He kept it in the family. According to Jewish thought, 
the high priestly office was for life. And evidently, Annas remained the power behind the priesthood, although he wasn't the high priest in name at the time. He told the sons and son-in-laws what to do. And so let's read John chapter 18. Let's just look at verses 12 and 13, then we'll drop down to verse 19. It says, Then the company of soldiers, the commander, that talks about a, a Jewish uh, excuse me, a Roman group of soldiers, and then notice this, and the Jewish officials, so Romans and Jews, arrested Jesus and tied him up. First, they led him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, and Caiaphas was the high priest that year. Now look down at verse 19. We're going to hear Annas' first question to Jesus while he's under arrest and under examination. Look at what it says. The high priest, and this is in reference to Annas, questioned Jesus about his disciples. About his disciples. The first thing that I want you to write down in your notes and to see what Jesus was examined for, number one, he examined his disciples. He questioned his disciples. Now, the silence of the text suggests that Annas did not inquire about what I think you and I would love to ask Jesus about. Jesus, how did you raise the dead? Jesus, how did you open blind eyes? Jesus, how did you heal the lepers? Instead, what's Annas's first line of inquiry? What about those disciples? In Jesus' almighty wisdom, he could have said much about his disciples. Throughout the scriptures, throughout the gospels, the record is mostly of the disciples' faults and failures. They didn't understand they were outspoken and loud. Do you remember how the Pharisees all the time said, they don't wash their hands before they eat. They pick grain on a Sabbath day. They caused Jesus a lot more problems than we realize. And to think at that moment, we skipped over those verses because we'll look at them later. The very disciple who swore that all other disciples might leave Jesus, but that he, Peter, would stay by Jesus unto death was literally right down the hall publicly denying him. I don't know him. I don't know the man. Oh, if Jesus would have answered and told Annas, well, let me tell you about my disciples. He would have given them plenty to find fault with. I want you to hear me out. If you're a sincere seeker, or even if you're critical of Christianity, you have every right to inquire about those who claim to believe and follow Jesus. All I ask you to do, though, is don't throw Jesus entirely out of the question. Mostly people see us, Jesus' disciples, and they say, look at so-and-so. Isn't the church filled with hypocrites? 
And I'm here to tell you, it's true. Every disciple of Jesus has struggled to follow Jesus. And disciples, those who claim to know Jesus, you must watch and pray. Pray to be kept from evil because the world is watching. Usually the very first thing put under examination for Jesus is, hey, but what about those disciples? What about those disciples? At the same time, I ask those who have been critical of Christianity to please do Jesus justice and examine Him as you would wish to be examined yourself if your character and purposes were called into question. If you're going to examine Christ, He is worthy of your full and fair examination. If you want to know the truth, then please sit down, pick up the Gospels, read and study the life, teaching and character in Jesus. If you're not converted, I promise you this, you'll at least marvel at Him. Jesus' reply, can I just go ahead and show you what He does here? I'm going to get ahead of myself, but I'll do it for you. It says this, and He asked Him, verse 19, about His teaching. And then just look at Jesus' reply. Jesus says, I have spoken openly to the world. Jesus answered him. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where all the Jews congregate, and I haven't spoken anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. Did you notice who he doesn't mention? The disciples, the disciples, he was determined to protect his disciples. Back in the garden when he was arrested, you can look this up, John 18, 8, Jesus said, I told you I am he, Jesus replied, so if you're looking for me, let these men go. Don't arrest the disciples. Notice in verses 20 through 21, how many times, and in the Greek it just is highlighted, it's the emphatic ah. He says, ah, ah, ah. He brings the attention to himself, not because he's an egomaniac, he is protecting his disciples. You examine me. Look at what I have said and what I've done. And then to think about this, when Jesus is put to the test, he protects his disciples. And again, remember, right down the hall, in verse 17, the scripture tells us that a little slave girl asked Peter, Peter, are you a disciple? And he denied it. And yet Jesus protected them. Can I tell you another thing that Jesus did? Jesus not only protected his disciples, but if you go back one chapter in John 17, he prayed for his disciples. Listen to John 17, 15. Listen to John 17, 15. This is God, this is Jesus speaking to the Father. I am not praying that you, God, take them, the disciples, out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. You see that on the last night 
of his life. He is there praying for the protection of his disciples. And I'll give you one better. If you drop down to verse 20, he said this, I pray not only for these disciples, but also those who believe in me through their word. I just always got to highlight to you, on the last night of Jesus' life, he prayed for you. He loves his disciples. Even when we're, we're the ones that people question, he's there protecting us and praying over us. He's a good Lord. Annas examined his disciples and Jesus protected them. Isn't that just awesome? But listen again, I want to reread verses 19 through 21. Notice the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. And notice Jesus' reply. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus answered him. I have always taught in the synagogue, you can just think of it like the Jewish church service, and in the temple where all the Jews congregate, and I haven't spoken anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. The second thing that he examined, he examined his doctrine. Write it down. He examined his doctrine. What Jesus is saying here is that he did not have two kinds of doctrine, two kinds of teaching or two kinds of preaching that he presented a harmless one to the general public, and then when he was with just his 12 disciples, he presented a very different revolutionary one. He's saying, nope, it's the same. His teaching was public property. He was not leading some type of conspiracy. Jesus was by no means a silent man. He spoke, he spoke often, and he often spoke Publicly, you may have critics. They'll take a text, a verse, out of context and they'll mock Jesus. Or they'll moan that it has some discrepancy or that the truth of the text is obsolete for our times. I do not believe that those who do this are sincere seekers. For some, the last thing they want to do is to read the whole gospel of Jesus Christ in context and give a full and fair statement to what the gospel really is. And Jesus, what I love about Jesus, Jesus invites you to do what? Look at all of it. Church, this is so good. We don't have anything to hide. There's nothing to hide from. Every now and then, Preachers will get the question, are there some truths in God's word that are better for us not to preach? That are inconsistent with the times? No. No. If it seemed good to God's wisdom to reveal it, then we should preach it. The times will go down to their ignoble grave but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let them have Jesus' words. I preached it publicly. You can ask anybody. Annas examined Jesus' disciples. 
Jesus protected them. Annas examined Jesus' doctrine and Jesus said, it's public. And look at the last thing that happened, verse 22. When he had said these things, one of the officials standing by slapped Jesus, saying, is that the way you answer the high priest? Notice Jesus. If I have spoken wrongly, Jesus answered him, give evidence about the wrong. But if rightly, why did you hit me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. The third thing he does, he examined his defenses. He examined his defenses. When provoked, Jesus did not give way to sinful anger and speak unadvisedly. You and I know that when we lose our temper, we are apt to say all kinds of wicked words. But our Lord, amen, thank you. Our Lord never sinned in that way. Jesus, this is a hard one for me, church. Jesus was able to go on and live his life being misrepresented. You don't understand, and he moves along. How many times when someone speaks amiss of us, we've got to set them straight? Jesus goes, nope. Our Lord never did that. And then I want you to meditate on this. I cannot get over this. So Jesus... You have him being examined, bound. And he stands up and he gives the truth with gentleness and respect. Right down the hall, a slave girl intimidates Peter. And Peter says no and doesn't give the truth, right? Can I do you one better? This one shakes me to the core. Acts 23, 1 through 5. Just write the reference down. Acts 23, 1 through 5. I love the Apostle Paul. I love Paul. I love studying Paul, preaching Paul, all of it. But in some of our minds, too, we'll kind of talk about this. We'll talk about, well, I want to be like Paul, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But I'm going to show you right now why you need to follow Jesus and not Paul. And I love Paul. I'm not saying don't listen to Paul, don't obey him but while Paul ain't your savior. Listen to Paul before a high priest. Everybody want to see an apostle, a man of God. This is the man of God in front of a high priest being examined. You ready? It says this, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I have lived my whole life before God in all good conscience to this day. The high priest at that time was Ananias. This is after Caiaphas. He ordered those who were standing next to Paul to strike him on the mouth. Now, this just happened to Jesus, remember? You ready? Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. That's a nice way of saying you corrupt hypocrite. <laughs> we are like Paul. Everybody understand me? You are sitting there judging me according to the law, and yet in violation of the law are ordering me to be struck. I love this because Paul knows the law. He's like, you're breaking the law, hitting me. Then standing nearby, someone said, 
do you dare revile God's high priest? I love this. I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. <laughs> and then Paul even, he accuses himself. He says, for it's written, you may not speak evil of your ruler. He confesses what? I sinned against you, high priest. I love Paul. But I need you to see this. Jesus never did that. Jesus never did that. At any moment, I want you to think about this. Jesus could have destroyed them all with a word from his lips. I'm done with this. Boom. Instead, he stood there, the creator before the creature. Do you see that? The creator being examined by the creature and took every blow that would come his way. Meditate on the answer that Jesus gave them. If I have spoken wrongly, give evidence. You and I would never say that. If you're in our right mind, if I've ever spoken wrongly, let me know. We would say this, if I've ever spoken wrongly, forget it. Don't recall it. And if you do remember it, don't repeat it. If we had the choice of being hit in the face or having our words brought up against us as a witness against us, we'd like, go ahead and hit me. That's not Jesus, though. Jesus goes, you can know all my thoughts. You can know all my intentions, all my words and actions. You can write it down and record it. Wow. There's no spot. There's no blemish. There's no defect, church. Annas examined Jesus' disciples and Jesus protected them. Annas examined Jesus' doctrine. He said, it's public. Annas examined his defenses and Jesus was perfect. Perfect. So what does that mean? If the sacrificial animal is found without blemish, and Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, what could that mean for you and me? Look at John 18, verse 14. John reminds us about something the high priest at that time had said in John 11. Caiaphas was the one who advised the Jews that it would be better for one man to die for the people. It would be better for one man to die for the people. See, Caiaphas feared the Romans. The Jews had religious freedom as long as they kept the peace. And the Jewish leaders feared that Jesus' miracle and his large following would cause Rome to react and clamp down. And in John eleven forty nine 49 through 51, Caiaphas had already suggested that the death of Jesus could divert Roman anger and save the Jews and their temple from destruction. In John's mind, when he heard that Caiaphas had said that, he said Caiaphas didn't realize that while he spoke profound political truth, it was the truth, what Caiaphas didn't realize he had, had unconsciously prophesied the spiritual significance of Jesus' death for sinners under the righteous anger of God. 
The wrath of God, the judgment of God. And so we repent and joyfully confess with Caiaphas. Write it down. It's better for one sinless man to die for all sinful people. Caiaphas will agree with you, high priest. Take Jesus as our payment. Let Jesus appease the wrath of God. He alone is perfect. He alone is worthy. He alone is sinless and without spot and blemish. Only Jesus can satisfy the anger of God against your sin and my sin. It's better that He go. Jesus passed the examination. Church, I'm asking you, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Listen to some of these verses that the apostles would later go on to explain about Jesus' life. And I'm going to rattle them off. Listen, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in Him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see what the scriptures say? He was sinless. And He became sin so that we might become right with God. Hebrews 9, 13 through 14. Listen to what the writer says. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow, sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh. Now notice what he says. He's saying, you remember the Old Testament covenant. How much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal Holy Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works so that we can serve the living God. Did you catch it? He's saying if the Son of God came down and lived a perfect life and then shed His blood on the cross for our sins, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're forgiven. It's wiped out. It's erased. Listen to 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your fathers. Listen to what Peter says. Not with perishable things like silver or gold. Did you hear what he just said? Oh, not like some worthless silver and gold, but with what? But with the precious blood of Christ like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He says, you don't know how precious that is. There's only been one man to do that for you. 1 Peter 2, 22 through 24. He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, God himself. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you are healed. And permit me one last one. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh and made alive by the Spirit. How do we know that God accepted Jesus' sinless sacrificial death on the cross? Church, I'm glad to tell you, God raised His Son from the dead and said, only in the name of Jesus do I accept Him as offering and payment for your sin. 
Jesus is the perfect lamb. He was fit for sacrifice. The priest examined him and sacrificed him. There was no blemish in him, no spot or speck of sin. They could find no fault or defect, whether public or private, speech or silence. He is perfect and holy. Only once, only once in human history has a man so lived that it enabled him to die and live again. Did you hear what I just said? There's only been one man who so lived, he was able to die and live again. And on top of that, in so doing, he flung open the doors of death for you. Not just for himself. That should show you how holy and perfect and sinless Jesus is. Will you repent of your sin, trust Jesus as your perfect Savior, and follow him as a disciple? that he is Lord. Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.